Welcome to On the Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl. I'm Robert Roden. And I'm Remy Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on this episode, we have Cleveland Cavaliers assistant coach Greg Buckner with us. Welcome to the show, Coach Buckner. Hey, appreciate y'all having me, man. It's my pleasure being here. Thank you for coming on. How you doing so, so far? I'm good, man. Out here in San Francisco, by the play the Golden State Warriors, and that's a lot of clouds and a lot of rain out there. So got yeah. got me down a little bit. Well, that's yeah. the opposite of us. We're in Memphis yeah. with a lot of snow. Yeah, yeah. But well, we get a lot of that in Cleveland. So oh, yeah, I'm I'm sure you're take used this to rain that. over this snow any day. <laughs> I'm sure you're used to that hundred percent. Oh yeah. Right, right. Well, yeah, uh, they say we're supposed to get eight to ten inches. Yes. Yeah, man. When I, my first snow in Cleveland was about two months ago, and they said it was the worst snow in 15 years, and it was like a foot and a half of snow. And I was just <laughs> a foot and a like, half. What am I doing? Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I could not yeah. imagine. It's crazy. Well, let's talk more about what got you into basketball in the game. Yeah. Uh, well, what got me into it was my mom and dad both played in high school. Uh, so it was in my jeans, to be honest with you. And then uh, growing up, my grandmother was a, a house cleaner uh, and I used to have to go with her to clean houses and she'd put a basket in a, like a clothes basket in the corner and give me a little ball and say, go play in the corner. So I was just, you know, acting like I was playing basketball all day while she was cleaning houses. And then right. I was doing that. And then my bro- younger brothers came along and we just started competing against each other and against kids in the neighborhood in basketball. And that's how it started. I'm from Kentucky, so Kentucky is just a basketball state. You either play basketball or you, you know, you go play in the tobacco fields or the cornfields and be a farmer. But and I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, basketball yeah. seemed like the way to go. So yeah. <laughs> now, how was your experience as a D1 athlete? How would you say that was at your time at Clemson? Yeah, man, it was amazing to be honest with you. I mean, that was one of my dreams. That was the the dream of dreams for me growing up was to play Division One college basketball, to play on TV, to have Dick Vitale, uh, to do one of my games was my dream. And then I was able to do that going to Clemson. Uh, at first, I signed with Providence, and then Coach Barnes left and went to Clemson, and I went with him. Yeah, and it was the best thing in my life because he one he helped me become a man, uh, a, a man that you could count on, and then. And going to Clemson, man, is just an unbelievable experience. How people treat you, you know, the education that you get, the basketball competition that you go against each and every night. It was just, it was just an amazing thing for me. And uh, I cherish that for the rest of my life. What was the biggest difference from the transition from college basketball to pro basketball? No class, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you get to the pros, obviously the guys are bigger and stronger, faster and better, uh, to be quite honest. But you have an opportunity to be to work on your game if you want to, you know, six, seven hours a day, because that's all you have to do. You know, you go to practice, you can stay, you can get in early, you can stay late, you can come in at night. You don't have to worry about classes. You don't have to worry about coach checking in class to see if you're in class. You don't have to worry about study hall. All you have to do is focus on basketball and, and prepare yourself to get ready for the games and eating right and training right in the weight room and things like that. So that was the biggest difference. Now, not everybody takes advantage of that. You know, right. Some guys waste those opportunities and don't and, and don't get in um, the proper situations where they can get better. And, and and it costs them. You know, they're out the league in a year or two. Guys that take advantage of it, you know, you get to get a long career. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a transition, especially like I mean, you can see now, especially in the age of social media, you see a lot of these players like putting themselves out there. And it's 
definitely big, but as long as you take advantage of it, like you said, it, how would you say your experience was in the NBA? It, it was great, man. I, I, I never, ever in a million years, one, wanted to play in the NBA. That was not my dream. And two, never thought I would play in the NBA. My dream was just to get, was just to get a college uh, degree and go back home in Kentucky. And, and just be around my family and friends with a college degree and have a good job and, you know, live happily ever after. Uh, to get the opportunity to go to the NBA, you get drafted. I was cut three times before I actually kind of made it. And, um, you know, I just soaked it all in, enjoyed where basketball has taken me. I've been all over the world because of basketball and the NBA. So it was an amazing, um, an, an amazing journey and an amazing ride. And I just enjoyed it so much. And, and luckily, and, and the, I'm truly blessed, again, to be a coach in the NBA because this is one of the best jobs. I, I tell people all the time, the NBA is a fantasy world, man. We don't have <laughs> real world problems like the rest of uh, the world do. It's just, you know, you get to enjoy life, to be honest with you. It's actually really interesting. I've I've never heard someone say that they didn't have a dream of going to the NBA. So I think it's really kind of cool that it worked out how it was supposed to. Yeah, I, I'm, I was a realist, to be honest with you. In high school, I grew up right across the street. I grew up against uh, uh, with another guy who names Chris Whitney. He was about five years older than me. He made it to the pros. And we're from a small town. It's 35,000 people in our hometown. Yeah. And when he made it to the NBA, you know, I'm like, there's no way two kids from the same small city, from the same neighborhood, from the same street going to make it to the NBA. It just don't work like that. You very seldom hear that in small towns either one person making it and he, and then for both of us to make it, I was like, that's not going to happen. And then I played power forward in high school. Well, obviously I was six, four, so I wasn't a guard. Um, then, you know, so that just wasn't my dream. My dream was just to find a way to get a free education and be able to come back and have a good job and not have to work at, you know, a place where I was making minimum wage and things like that because I wasted my opportunities with basketball. And so back off of what Ramey said, asking you what your, your favorite like experience was in the league, what, what would you have to say your favorite memory is? Oh boy, that's wow. Uh, well, I, I mean, I met, I met some unbelievable people. Uh, some, some guys when I first got to the NBA, there's been, you know, what we call, you know, me, they call me even to this day. Uh, that's my rope right there. Uh, those, excuse me, those veterans like, you know, Michael Finley, Sergio Sabala, Steve Nash, those guys just took me under their wing to make sure I became a, a long-standing pro and not just a one-hit wonder, meaning a one-season guy. So, you know, the relationships that I built with those guys was unbelievable, uh, unbelievably humbling, to be honest with you, that they took somebody that they didn't know. I Sometimes I played those guys' positions. They didn't care. They just wanted to pour the knowledge of basketball into me and, and teach me how to be a man off the court and navigate the, the pitfalls of the NBA. Uh, but I think, you know, probably mo one of the most memorable experiences was when I first get to the NBA, you know, Co Coach Nelson, he has us over to his house and he's playing poker and, and drinking and smoking a cigar with us. And, and we get to call him Nelly. In my whole life, he called everybody coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's just mind blowing that, you know, he's one of the boys, but we still respected him as a coach, but he respected us to be able to call him each other by first name basis and have a drink and have a cigar with each other, which was crazy to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. I can totally understand that. Cause like, yeah, yeah like you mentioned growing up, you, you always had that level of respect, of course, but like you always saw them as your higher up or yeah, right. mentor, but that gave you a, a more personal relationship with them and then mm -hmm. made mm -hmm. it easier to work. And 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it made for, like you said, a very personal and easy relationship to, to, you know, groom and you get to ask questions without feeling like you, you're going to get uh, chastised or criticized by him or anybody else on the staff because everybody's on a first name basis. And what I learned it, it was a man's world when you got to the NBA, no matter how young you were, you had, you had become a man and you had to, act like a man and you was going to treat others like, like a man and they was going to treat you like a man. So you better be ready for that or you won't be in this league for a long time. Yeah. And uh, so that was a good thing. It was very memorable and very good experience for me to go through and for me to pick up on it that now you're in the big leagues and this is the man's world. You better be ready for this or you're going back to Kentucky uh, and do that job that you wanted to do growing up. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really sure because especially with a coach named Don Nelson, I mean, yeah, <laughs> one of the most well-respected coaches in mm-hmm. league history, honestly. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so you definitely yeah. were able to get get that tutelage from a well-respected man. Yeah, I got lucky, man. I have him as my first coach. I got really, really lucky to be honest with you. That's one of the reasons why I'm a coach now and the way I look at the game the way I do because of him. I mean, he looked at it outside the box. You know, early on in his career, people criticized him for the things he did. But the things he did 40 years ago, people are trying to emulate now. Going small, he did that. Posting up the little guards, he did that. Finding mismatches, he started that. So, you know, to be under him, who had great success before and after me, was such a blessing to be uh, to have him as my first coach. Uh, that's great that you mentioned that because we were just literally about to ask what got you into coaching. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what got me into coaching is crazy. He didn't, that experience didn't get me into coaching. What got me into coaching is when I was on the Dallas Mavericks, we was, I think we was 67 and 15 or something like that. The year we lost to Golden State in the first round, we was clearly the best team in the NBA, but we couldn't beat Nelly. Nelly was in Golden State. We couldn't beat Nelly's team that year. Just They just had our number. They knew how to guard Dirk. Nobody else could figure out Dirk but them, and they figured it out, and, and it messed up a whole offense. And so the following year, they traded me to Minnesota, who had just traded Kevin Garnett to Boston. So they was rebuilding. I was one of the only vets on the team. And uh, Randy Whitman, you know, he asked me, you know, Buck, I need you to be the captain. I need, I know this is a tough situation. You're coming from winning. We're rebuilding. I need you to show these young guys how to be pros. And, and he did that for a year. And then he traded me <laughs> the next year to, to Memphis. Actually, my last year plan was to Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was a young team rebuilding Mark Gasol's rookie year. It was OJ yep. Mayo's rookie year. Um, um, Kyle Lowry was on the team. It's just, just a young team that all these guys go on. You know, Rudy Gay was, you know, ended up being unbelievable pros, but at the time it just wasn't ready. Right. And he and Mark Averoni again asked me, can you, you know, lead these guys, be vet and all that? It's cool. But after that year, I was tired of being the vet. I wanted to win and no situations was coming up. So I just retired. And what I did was my son and my nephews was playing basketball. I just started. They was both in kindergarten. So I put a team together for them. I started coaching them. I started coaching other kids for two years. And then Kevin McHale, who was with me in Minnesota, got the job in Houston. And uh, I called him and I was like, you know, Mac, if you get this job, I want to, you know, at least have a chance to interview because I want to get into coaching. I want to go through the interview process to make sure I'm, you know, to sharpen up my skills, my interview skills. He said, you know, Buck, if I get the job because the way you did things in Minnesota, you would help me help those young guys. I'll give you the job. And uh, he got the job. He gave me the job. And I went down there and just kept my head down and learned from him, learned from Coach Bickerstaff, who I'm with now, Uh, Kelvin Sampson, who's at University of Houston, learned from him, and Chris Finch, who's in, um, 
he's with Toronto right now, but he's just an offensive minded genius who who was the head coach of the Great Britain uh, Olympic team. So I learned from those guys and and it just got into me more and more and more and trying to learn more and more and trying to teach the younger generation basketball. It's it's definitely definitely something that you can definitely work on and key. Yeah, in. oh yeah, you can always learn basketball. I mean, if you think you're the smartest guy, or you think you know everything, you're in the wrong business. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's forever changing, forever evolving. You just got to be ready for it or you're going to get pushed out. Oh, yeah. Well, you're under a great coaching tree. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got some good ones for sure. Absolutely. I mean, but, you know, you, you can't be a good coach. You can't be a good ball player if you don't get good coaching. And luckily, I have been able to get good coaching for sure. And you're making a name of your own, so. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Trying. Yeah. Still early. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But you got time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Only going up from here. Absolutely. So what have you learned from the opportunity of coaching the game of basketball now in the National Basketball Association? You're currently on the Cavs. You were on the Grizzlies. So just tell us some more about like the opportunity you've learned at each stop you made in each city. Yeah, well, in Houston, I learned that analytics was here and it wasn't going anywhere. You know, it's going to be here for the rest of the duration of basketball and the rest of the duration of NBA. <laughs> analytics is going to be here and that's going to be one of the processes that they use to evaluate talent, uh, to evaluate teams. So I learned that in Houston. And in Memphis, I learned that you don't always get a fresh shot. Uh, the way they let us go, it was tough. Uh, we didn't get a fresh shot. And so I learned that in Memphis that you always you know, better be ready for the unexpected. You know what I mean? Because they could fire you at any given moment, even though if you do everything they ask you do and now here in Cleveland and you just you know now we're learning that how to be able to build a team over the long haul uh you know you get opportunity you got some young guys who, who have to learn the game and learn how to win and we're trying to teach these young boys how to win and how to do things together and not you know be selfish ball players and understand that if you win and if you do it together everybody has great success and everybody's get everybody get noted notice because of your success, not because of your stats. And that's what we're teaching right now. And, and that's what I'm learning, that that process is difficult at times, but it's, it's uh, very rewarding when we get finished with it. Oh, yeah. I can I can definitely see that. Cause, I mean, watching this Cleveland Cavaliers team, it's a very gritty team. Very, <laughs> yeah. You guys are fun to watch, for sure. But, yeah, that, that's part of our coach's personality, man. That's what he says all the time. we got to have grit and um, – this, this this group of guys have taken on his uh, personality and it's, it's worked well so far. We you know obviously don't have the record that we would want, but we understand which way, which direction we're going in. And these guys are going in that direction and it'll pay off down the road because it's, as long as you stay gritty, that means you're working your tails off. It means you're in the gym trying to get better. It means you're watching film trying to get better. And then that success will come. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's a young team. I mean, mm-hmm. the, future, the future is bright in Cleveland. Yeah, 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 for sure. We got, I mean, our best player hasn't even played, but I think two games. Kevin Love has only played two games. And um, Larry Larry Nance Jr. is probably our best defensive player. He's been hurt. So it's just, you know, and everybody goes through injuries. But when you're a young team, you need two veterans out there to really keep everybody together. And oh, yeah. Kevin Love can make a big shot when you need a big shot. Yes, yes, yes. Problem. We haven't had that this year. So when we get him back, that makes us even better. And he's a gritty and grindy person as well. And he's been able to sit back and watch and see what this team needs, which will help him and help us in the long run. Yeah, I've definitely been hearing that he's been mentoring a lot of players. Like, Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy, man. He's a fun, loving guy. It's funny because when I got traded to Memphis, 
Memphis drafted him, and he was part of that trade to to uh, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we almost played together, and but we got traded for each other, and then I called him my young fella, and he's the old <laughs> head around here, and he loves it when somebody calls him young fella. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've really re- enjoyed watching Colin Sexton play. I mean, his game just handles and like how he gets to the basket. Just I don't know how he does it, but he just. Yeah, I'll tell you how he does it. He's he's fearless one, and then two, he works his butt off. Man, he's probably the hardest working kid that I've been around. To be honest with you, and it's almost to a fault at times because you know he, he doesn't let his body rest. <laughs> but he is extremely, and, and that's his motto: work harder, work harder. Work harder. I got to work harder. And uh, when you work hard and then you work harder and then when you say you have to work harder, you have no choice but to get better. And that's what he's done each and every year. He's been in the NBA. He's got better and better. And I think he's only 22. So, yeah. you know, the sky's the limit for him. I think he's averaging like 24 points for us right now. Um, you know, but, you know, some people say that's empty stats. And, and we tend to agree with that. And we let him know that, you know, those stats has to start to translate into wins. And that's all he'll say. His response is, I got to work harder. So when he knows he has to work harder, that makes our job easy. When you know one of your better players is has that motto and ingrained in his brain that he has to work harder, it trickles down to everybody else, including the coaching staff, and it's gonna make us better. You saw it in that overtime win against Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn, he right. had a game. Yeah, for sure. He had a game. Yeah, we see that all the time. It just you know people notice it when it's against a team like Brooklyn. You know, you get your stripes when you go against the big time teams. You know, for sure. But you know. He doesn't necessarily have games like that every night, but he has games very close to it just about every night. He's only had one one or two bad games the entire season when it comes to scoring the ball. He's a natural guy, natural scorer on, on the court for us. So he can get a bucket, as you said, in basketball terms. He is a bucket, and he's a bucket getter. And it's good to have him on our team. Like I, like we mentioned many times, this team is young. Once once they start mm-hmm. getting right, – right. once we start getting the clicking going – yeah, it's all about experience in the NBA because old guys take advantage of young guys. So you got to get taken advantage of in order to be successful. Speaking of this Cleveland Cavaliers team, what do you what do you feel about this team? Like, if you want to elaborate more, and what do you feel that you bring to this team? The team in general, I think we're we're going in the right direction. Uh, you know, obviously when you when you start a with a young group of guys, and you know, you don't want to use the term rebuild; you just want to talk term, you know, youth movement. <laughs> so you know, you take your lumps, but what I do think and I do know is that we're going in the right direction. These guys are becoming guys who understand what it takes to win, uh, which I don't know that they understood that before we got here. And I think now they're understanding that. And now they're being held accountable for all the little things to make uh, guys become winners. Uh, so we're going in the right direction as a team and as an organization, for sure, to get back to winning like it was when LeBron was here. You know, I mean, Cleveland struggled to win when LeBron's not here. So got to change that mindset, change that culture, and make sure change that environment to understand that we can win without LeBron, which, you know, it's been difficult, but we can do it. And I think what I bring to the table as, a, as an assistant coach is this experience as a player and as a coach. As a player, I've been in that locker room with those, those guys. I've been on bad teams. I've been on great teams uh, in the NBA. So I got, you know, all the whole spectrum when it comes to the NBA life in that locker room and the, the dog days of being losing five in a row and the great days of winning 14 in a row and things like that. And then going on another 14 winning streak, 14 game winning streak. So yeah. that experience that I can give them and, and tell them, this is what we got to change to get to this and all those things. And they respect and listen to that because I played, not just played, you know, a couple of years, but played 10 years and wasn't highly uh, regarded as a offensive guy, but still got to play 10 years, you know, just they needed guys like me. So these guys listen that way. And 
And when it comes to coaching, I just grind. I, I study. And I, I teach as much as possible, give them little things that I see to make them better, to make the team better. And that's all. That's what it's all about is finding ways to make the team better so we can win more games. What makes the NBA, the league, like the – what's the fun part about it? What like The money, bro. The money. The, <laughs> <laughs> the money. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say yeah. being around the fans. Yeah, no, 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 no. Everybody, that's the thing. Like, you know, like I told you on the text, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, this world is, you know, moves because of money. And uh, we have an opportunity as a player and as a coach to be, you know, part of the top 2% of paid p- people, individuals in the country. So, you don't have to go through the everyday problems of figuring out how you're going to pay your pay your light bill, how you're going to eat this weekend, or how's your kid going to be able to pl- get those shoes for the, the basketball or volleyball games and things like that. So we're very blessed financially, and I think that's the best part of it, that you don't have to really worry about where the, the next is coming from. Um, yeah. Not many people can have the uh, a job and make the money that we make and get to see the world uh, on the owner's dime. You know I mean? We don't have to pay for that. And so – uh, it's just a, you know, I have to say it's the money, to be honest with you. And then I've never won a championship. You know, champions will say that's what it's all about. So I can't comment on that. Hopefully one day I will be able to have the, the comparison of being able to work and being able to save money each and every month and, and compare compare that to winning a championship to see which is better. But as of today, with me not being a champion, I would say the money. Hey, that's a solid answer. I mean, yeah. if we're honest. Like you said, yeah, yeah. If somebody tell you different, they're lying to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of these guys, I mean, the guys in a minimum contract, they make like $2 million. I mean, where can you make get a job when you get $2 million? Just the very minimum that you can make when you're in this league is $2 million. Like, where can you find a job like that? Nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can't even do that. Some max show. jobs, you can't make $2 million. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's true. Yeah. How, how would you say this year has been? For for the like, I guess for your experience for your team without fans, how how has it been? Oh man, it's it's, it's crazy because once you get you walk out there out the tunnel, you're like, damn, it ain't no fans. But then as you get going and start coaching and start playing, you don't even realize that, and yeah. you don't realize that, and it may change in the playoffs. You know, what I mean, that's a different animal when it comes to the fans because the fans got more juice in the playoffs. In the regular season, the fans are just going through the motions. You know what I mean? So, um, but so. It, Excuse me. It hasn't been a big difference in, from my point of view because I'm just interested in coaching and teaching. And, you know, you, you don't really pay attention to the fans, but I'm sure, you know, in the playoffs, each playoff round, it gets more intense, more intense. The fans become more effective. Uh, they become more electric. Um, so, you know, going deep in the playoffs may be a big difference. But as of right now in the regular season, because sometimes, to be honest with you, you go in the gyms in the regular season and it's, it's not a whole lot of fans in there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. So it, that's, you know, not completely normal because some arenas don't have any fans, but it's not far off, to be honest with you, in the regular season in some of these places. Yeah. Does, does Rocket Mortgage, are they have, they have we, fans? We, we started off with 2,000. I think they let us now have like 4,000. Okay. Each time they're increasing as the numbers of the COVID cases every day go down, they allow us to have more people in, in the arena. Okay. The families could always come. And right. then add two thousand. Then I think it's at four thousand right now. Because I know I miss games. I'm. Yeah, we have to walk around everywhere with a mask on. Hotel in our offices, everything. You gotta have a mask on. Well, we wish you best of luck this season and the rest of your season with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before oh, yeah. before we wrap this up? 
Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me, man. I really enjoy this. And if you need me to do anything like this again, just let me know. I appreciate you for coming on, man. All right, good. Y'all be good, man. Stay out that snow. All right, you too. Best of luck this <laughs> season. Best of luck tomorrow. Right, Golden State. Best of luck. Thanks. Same to y'all, man. Keep grinding, all right? All right, fellas. Be good. See y'all. I'm Robert Owen. I'm Ramey Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on The Prowl. Yeah, we swoops, yeah, we swoops, and we got them high clocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot with the Mercedes Benz in the coop, in the coop, and this shit so fing hard, it's on loop, it's on loop.